0: All right, uh, Super Bowl winning head coach Mike Holmgren uh, works for Westwood One, will be part of their Super Bowl coverage. He actually is the closest guy to ever – no one's ever won two Super Bowls with two different teams. He's the closest because he, when he was in Seattle, got screwed by the officials so badly in that game they probably should have won. But no one's ever done it. Uh, A couple of guys have tried, uh, including Parcells, Don Shula, reverse, he was in two places the second time. He had won, but he didn't win the first time. But at other times, Dick Vermeule the same way. But no one's ever done it. Mike Holm came the closest uh, at his great run uh, in Green Bay. You see his remnants all over the league. as A lot of his assistants are uh, still working in this league right now, and he joins us now. Mike, welcome. How are you?
1: Hey, I'm doing great, Mike. Hey, and i I got to tell you, I'm – I was just about over that Super Bowl. Walk.
0: <laughs> no, you're not. No, you're not. You're yeah, still just mad.
1: about over it, and then yeah, now you got me thinking. Well, about the it.
0: worst <laughs> holding call in history. We all know it. I mean, let's be honest. You got absolutely screwed. It was. It was the one time, and I say this honestly, and I know this is a bit of pill, but it's the one time where the officials actually impacted the Super Bowl game. They really did.
1: Well, you know what? I, and I said this afterwards, and I got in a little trouble for it, but I, I thought it, I thought it was a, a poorly officiated game. It was, and, but the the thing is. And, you know, Super Bowls, and Mike, you've covered hundreds of them. You know I mean? We're all of them. And the story of the game after the game shouldn't be – the people shouldn't be talking about the officials. They should be talking about the teams, the players, and uh, how great a, a day that was. But, you know, uh, I, I am – honestly, I am over it. I'm enjoying retirement. I'm over
0: it. Good. Well, how about, how about the idea of the one thing you guys who have had great success in the league – and have have watched is when you're, your your tree still out there your assistants are out there your kids are out there and now they're all head coaches how much how much how proud are you of that how much enjoyment do you get from watching the guys who were grunts on your staff and kids on your staff who are now all over the league
1: you know i really like it i mean it's uh i always i always saw myself as a teacher anyway i you know i was a high school teacher as you know for a long time and when i hired coaches I wanted to hire guys that I thought were teachers and and could communicate and get the guys to work, and guys like Gruden and Andy Reid and Steve Mariucci and Mike Sherman and Ray Rose and all these guys that I was fortunate to have on my staff. To see them now and what they're doing, uh, Doug Peterson and and yes. was played for us, you yeah. know, and and he's the doing great. Uh, you know, it's uh, I take a little pride in that, you know, and when we you played should. against each yeah. other, I look across the field and. uh and for a moment there, before we teed it up, I said, "You know what? He's doing great, and I'm I'm proud of him."
0: And also, you know, your great run you had in in Green Bay, and uh, you know, and being able to harness probably you know the 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 most interesting quarterback we've had. We had a lot of great quarterbacks. Uh, there's no question, but Favre was probably, from a coach's standpoint, probably one of the toughest ones to harness, right, I would say, more than anybody else, right?
1: <laughs> I remember. That's probably about the time you and I first met, when yeah. when Brett was – we got Brett, and I was a first-time head coach in Green Bay. And I would say yes, you know, and he was uh, – and, and you had to – in coaching him, you know, he was such a talent and, and so special. But I tried to, it's kind of like reining in a stallion, you know, and I thought, I thought, to, and I'd have those conversations with him. You know, I said, you know what, he'd say, Mike, this is how I play, this is just how I play. And I'd say, you know what, you don't want to be 9-7, and 10-6, you want to go to the Super Bowl. So to go to the Super Bowl, you've got to tone it down just a little bit in these areas. And to his credit, Mike, he worked really hard at that with me, he really did. Yeah, uh, but you're right. He's he's a unique guy. <laughs> he really was. He and a great
0: talent. Three time MVP, three years in a row. He was the MVP. You know, uh, a lot of times Montana comes up on the show, and we talk about Mike yeah. Holmgren. And Mike was his offensive coordinator in San Francisco. When and we talk about how he was kind of the perfect Super Bowl player. What is it? Since you are the guy closest to him, who called the plays, who worked with him every day. What is it that Montana brought? From your perspective, for the fans who may never have seen him that much or have heard the legend, what is it that Montana brought to the game?
1: Well, I think he was as about, uh, technically, as about as perfect as you could be, honestly. And he grew up in the Bill Wall system as I did, but he was very precise, very accurate. I think his, his throwing strength was underrated. He could throw it and throw it pretty hard. And uh, but then his 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 peacefulness, his calm in pressure situations. He was actually he had some of his best games in Super Bowls. I mean, he against Denver when we when yep, we won big, ten, yeah he was he was perfect. I mean, and he did everything, and and he was tough. You know, he was not the biggest, strongest guy in the world, and and I saw him uh, take little shots to kill the pain sometimes uh, during halftime and things like that. But he always wanted to play and very very competitive. Uh, that was a good way for me to break into the league, and I, I'd like to say he was no good till I got him. But <laughs> <actually he> was, <laughs> yeah, actually, well, they
0: they watched him at Notre Dame, so they know he was good there. So we're talking with Mike Holmgren. You know, interestingly, when I watch the, what uh, McVay's done in. Uh, in in LA, it reminds me a little bit of you because I think the smartest thing he did was go get a an older defensive coordinator who he could kind of turn his defense over. And I've used you as the example of having Fritz Shermer when you were your, you could leave the offense to Fritz, uh, the defense to Fritz, and go do your work with your offense and run your team. And I think McVay getting a guy like Phillips and leaving a defense to him has really, I think, made his transition at such a young age to a head coach a lot a lot more effective for him this year. Mike, I
1: couldn't, I couldn't agree with you more, and I, I stated that. I, it reminded me of that, exactly what you said, because uh, as a first-time head coach, you know, you were going to run into things that you never even thought about before, uh, at least I think, like, I think he is, and, and to have a guy to be able to turn over that side of the ball and trust him and, uh, and, and then also go to him with questions. During the week of things that come up, forget about defense for a second. Just about being a head coach, because Wade's been there. Sure, I think it's a really, really smart move, and it's paying off for him. No
0: question. And they look good. They look crisp. They look. They, he looks very good and comfortable in his job at such a young age. He really does. You know?
1: No, he really does. And, and I know last year I kind of laughed at people that said Goff was a bust. I really like Goff coming out. And he, he they didn't handle him very well last year. They did everything wrong, in my opinion, that you should do with a young quarterback. But now Sean McVay gets it, and he's got a talent. And the way he's bringing him along, uh, they're a fun team to watch, very exciting football team, and, and shoot, I don't know how far they're going to go here, but they're, they're setting it up pretty good.
0: You know, I, I, doing this show for 30 years as I have, I always mention things that I've learned from different coaches. One of the adages I always use was one you gave me, uh Through our many talks, you always told me the worst scouted and coached position in the n f l was always quarterback that yeah every and you 've always bought that and and said that so they more mistakes are made at that position than anybody else any place else. Why is that the case
1: well i think uh, well, what happens first of all in the drafting and the picking of the player you know teams get in a situation where they have to they they're. They have to get a quarterback. You know you have to have a quarterback to be successful. And if one is there and you need one, but you see you're lukewarm, but you, if you pass on him, all of a sudden everyone's upset. You All of a sudden you've made a huge mistake. And so there's, a, there's the pool there to drafts, maybe, maybe reach just a little bit on that. Secondly, I think quarterbacks, you know, they have to know so much and there's so much pressure on them that how you talk to them, how you instill confidence in them, early on, because rookie court, hey, you know this, you know, Elway and Montana and all these guys, when they were rookies, they were, they were throwing it around just like, Intercepted, It right. wasn't good. Yep. Marino's the only guy I could think of that came in Absolutely. and shot lights out right
0: Absolutely, away. Absolutely, yes. Know? Yeah, he is the so, first one. How about what Wentz is doing? What a, what an amazing uh, amount of success he's having. I mean, talk about a guy who really, I hadn't seen much of him in college, and look at the way he's playing in the league. It's unbelievable with a guy that you're connected to. you Peterson was your guy. I mean, they're doing an incredible job.
1: No, they really have and I I think this, this is what happened with Carson Wentz. They, they played him last year, and I've always been a proponent. If you can play, he learns faster playing than he does watching. So you think the young
0: kid should play right away. That's what you believe in, right? I believe that as long as
1: you can protect him a little bit. He right. doesn't get the stuffings knocked out of him. Right. So last year, Wentz had they started good. He had some great games, but then he also took his lumps last year. But it set the table for this year. He went through all that. And now he comes in. He's seen a lot of the stuff. Doug's handling him beautifully, and now he's just going lights out. And and he's got everything you want. You know, he's tough. He's smart. He's humble. He's uh, physically he's good running and throwing. So he, hes they're going to be good for a long time now with him a quarterback.
0: We're talking about Mike Holmgren, who is a uh, working analyst for Westwood One. He'll be part of the Super Bowl coverage. He won Super Bowls as an assistant. He won Super Bowls as a head coach. He took the Seattle Seahawks to the Super Bowl, so he has spent plenty of his career around the Super Bowl and uh, has won uh, on every level with it. Uh, so he has a lot to offer there. You know, uh, when you look at and I think about all the different coaches I've known, and, and, and listen, they, I've watched them get burnt out like Vermeer. I've watched them move jobs like Parcells. I've seen you move. I've seen all these different things. Does it amaze you how Belichick's been able to stay in one place and continue to churn out victories and not have a change or not decide to take a year? or the, is it is it? A, I think that's got to be the most amazing thing, right, that you can do that that consistently for that many years in a row, right?
1: Yeah, no, that's an amazing story. I. I got a chance to interview. One of the things I do at the Super Bowl for Westwood One, as you know, is I get a chance to interview both head coaches. And everyone's going, What are you going to ask Belichick? Because he's so lively in an interview. You know, <laughs> you see, he never says anything. Nothing. But but we had because uh, I knew know him and, right. and we had some history together. It actually, went pretty well. And I asked him that. And said, you
0: guys went head to head a lot of times. Yes.
1: Yeah, and I said, "Hey, you've been doing this a long time. It's been so good. I don't know how much more there is to do that you haven't done already." What's the end game? And he just said, "Nay, I, I love what I'm doing every season. You know, he said all the stuff, and I believe him. I, I don't know what he'd do. You know, he's a little cranky, you know? Right. I, I don't know. I don't know what he'd do if he wasn't coaching football, but he's an interesting, interesting man, and what he's done is remarkable. I mean, it's really remarkable.
0: It's amazing to stay in one place. You know, all you guys wear out you welcome somewhere. I mean, it just happens, or you get bored, or you want to move, or you've accomplished what you wanted to do there. He stays in one place with one quarterback all these years. I think, to me, that's the amazing thing, is how long those two guys have been together.
1: No, I know. And I, I was thinking, uh, I've thought about this before, if Tom ever decides to retire, you know, it wouldn't surprise me if Bill, did it at the same time the thing was bill was in the perfect situation when he got there you know he was given control and for a coach you know i've been in a situation where i was fortunate enough to be with ron wolf in green bay who i learned from then when i got in seattle it was a little different they 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 messed around with the people that were and so it became kind of hard sometimes right right. and so i bill doesn't have to deal with that you know, Mr. Kraft and his family and, and the people that run that place, they hand him the ball. Say, so you do this. Now, of course, they own the team, but, and so that helps. And then if you got the quarterback, if you got the quarterback as good as Tom Brady, uh, that's good too.
0: It does. You know, it, it, it really is the hard, the, the, you, you got to have. As a head coach, you, got, you always have to have the quarterback, but you've got to have the ducks in a row, right? You've got to have a front office you can deal with, and you've got to have an owner that wants to win. If you have those two things, you've got a chance, right?
1: Yeah, and I, I said it. Uh, you know, it's, when I get frustrated uh, here in Seattle, as an example, I said, you know what, uh, it, it's hard to win a game. It's so hard to win a game that I'm fighting the battles there, I can't fight the battles inside the office. That that doesn't work. It just it's too hard. And I think that's what happens to coaches at times. When you get in a situation where either you have total control, or like Bill, or you, you're working with people that no one really cares who gets the credit. Because if you win a Super Bowl, there's enough to go around to everybody. And I tell that to players, I tell it to my staff, I tell it to everybody.
0: You've been offered a million jobs uh, since you left. Uh, I know now you're settled in and you're not going to do it anymore. You've got uh, a lot of things to keep you busy. How close did you come to coming back? Uh, did you come real close?
1: I did. You know, I, I really did. I, I had a nice visit with uh, Woody Johnson and, and, and was going to fly back to there to a couple years ago to... To look at things over and, and 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 Kath, my wife, we've been married 40. So you came years, close so you know
0: to I, wait. You came close to coaching the Jets. Well, I I, I came close to.
1: For a for a, a serious discussion,
0: you yeah, almost came close years ago. I remember when Dick Steinberg was going to hire you. He wanted to hire right. you, and you Eddie gave you enough money to stay one more year in San Francisco.
1: That was that was a crazy time. I didn't know what I was doing then, but yeah, Dick and Dick Steinberg was a great. Yeah, guy. He wanted to hire was, you.
0: I remember that he was your, he's the guy. He wanted you. He would have been the right choice. And you yeah. stayed one more year there, and then went to Green Bay. But you came close to almost coaching him again. Did you did you give it serious thought? I gave it some thought
1: for a couple, three days. I was at my house in, in Santa Cruz, California, in my cabin, and, and uh, uh, you know, I, I like Mr. Johnson a lot. And, and uh, it was, it, you know, you get phone calls when you're older. You get phone calls, and they're talking about you. You get flattered. You get your ego stroked. You go, maybe, hey, yeah, I can do this <laughs> again. But Kathy said, you know what, I love you to death, and I, we went to Cleveland. I've always been with you, but now the kids are all here. The grandkids are here you go, and I'll visit. We'll do those things, but I'm not going to move into New York. And then I said, ah, that's never worked for us. So uh, that was
0: kind of the final straw. And you-, you know
1: what? It was probably a good uh, You know, it was probably the right thing.
0: Do you regret not coaching in Cleveland? I, you know, I have had thoughts about that, Mike, really, because... I always thought you were going to come down and coach there.
1: Yeah, I, I, I was. When I, you know, I got there, and Eric was there, Eric Mangini, and he and was a good guy, and but it didn't work, and and then I had to replace him. And I asked, actually asked the people who were involved in the search committee there. I, I want to be objective about this, uh, and I had some guys that were real honest with me. And I said, uh, we're, we have a list of coaches we're going to interview here. Should we, you want, to, can I throw my name into the hat? And 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 don't tell me now. And so they came back and they said, absolutely. But the more I thought about it, I. You know, I don't know. You make these decisions, and you don't. I don't like to look back on stuff, but I, I like. I, I learned this. I learned this that the, the front office, if you're the president, like I was, or somebody like that, and you're watching the games from upstairs, and you can go, "Oh, they shouldn't have done this. They should have done this," but you have no control once the game starts. None. And so, at least when I was coaching. I, I felt responsible for what happened on That's the That's a hard
0: job for you. It was a hard job for Bill Parcells. It's a hard job to be up there and not have any control over the team, right? It was hard Absolutely. for Lombardi. Lombardi couldn't stand it the one year he did it. I mean, it just becomes too frustrating, right? You stand, You see things you don't like at practice, and you don't say anything. You see things you don't like during the game, you don't say anything. It's too hard, right?
1: Yeah, it is. And I talked to Actually, I talked to Bill about this a lot, Parcells, before I took it. And, and what I thought would happen... And it didn't, and it's I kind of understand it more now. I thought my office was right down the the hallway from right. the head coach's office. I thought like on a weekly basis, he might come in and we talk football. What do you think about this? He'd kind of I could kind of he could my experience maybe I could help right him. and and what you learn is they don't want to do that no, they want to do it they, themselves, they, right It's their own show right. and they don't want one to meet to, they don't want me to think that they don't know what they're doing right. Two, they want to run it themselves, and now I get that. and That was a frustration for me uh, while I was there.
0: Have you seen the Pac-10 quarterbacks a lot this year, Rosen and uh, Donald and those guys a lot? Have you seen them?
1: I've seen Donald. I haven't seen Rosen all that much. What do you think of Donald? uh, Oh, I think he's good. Yeah, I think he's good. He's physical. He throws a great ball. He's got he's real skill that way. But, you know, I'm not a big – to rush a guy out of college early, a young guy, I think it's hard. I think it's hard. But but look at listen, he has a chance to make a pot full of money, I guess, and that's that's what guys are doing now. But he's a he's a he's a good really good Mike Reminds guy. me he of Roethlisberger.
0: That's who he reminds me of a little bit. You yeah, know, he, big strong guy. Yeah, big yeah. strong guy. And throw and and his teammates love him too, which you like to see too. They do like well,
1: him. Well, you know what I heard I I read up on him after I you know, it was my alma mater, so yep, I read up absolutely. on him. Absolutely.
0: You were a quarterback there.
1: Yeah, and so he, he has – He's a really good guy. He doesn't take himself too seriously. He's not all caught up in all the L.A. stuff and and the the things that can happen down there. And I like that side of him. I, I like that side of him. So... Yeah, he, I think he's got a real chance to be good,
0: too. Well, listen, always a pleasure to talk to you. Uh, we'll chat again. Uh, well, no, you won't chat with me before the Super Bowl. I'm, I'm, I'm leaving in three weeks, so that's it. I'm done. I know. I, what are you going to do? I I can't say yet. I'm not allowed to say yet, but I'm still working on it. But I'll let you know. I'll, I'll drop your line when I decide what I'm going to do, I promise. Yeah, please do that, man. I will. Thanks, Coach. Very much. Talk to you. All right. Thank you. Mike Holmgren. Uh, you'll see him on, uh, you hear him on Westwood One. Great coach. Very good offensive coach, and, you know, uh, BYU background under under Lavelle Edwards, coached a little bit there, was a USC quarterback, coached a little bit at USC, I mean, at uh, BYU. Uh, Andy Reid was a lineman at BYU, Um, then went to the Niners under Bill Walsh, was the offensive coordinator for Montana. Actually, he doesn't remember this, uh, but, uh, probably doesn't, uh, but... He came to me at the Super Bowl when Dick Steinberg was trying to hire him and asked me, did he did I think he'd like New York? And I hate to tell the Jet fans I told him he should stay in San Francisco one more year. I said, You got this great team, wait one more year. You know, ride this team one more year. And he did. Well, uh, Eddie gave him a ton of money to stay one more year. Then he went to Green Bay the next year. And they hired Bruce Coslett instead. Now I don't know if they would have, I don't know if he was gonna come anyway. I don't think his wife wanted to live in New York. I I think she's a West Coast girl, she didn't want to live in New York. Um, I didn't know about this other time that he talked to Woody Johnson, uh, but he went to Green Bay after that, and we all know the rest is history uh, with Ron Wolf. Then he went to Seattle. He had some problems in Seattle. Once he did, he should have won the Super Bowl. Then he didn't, and then he had some problems with the front office. And then he went to Cleveland, and he didn't coach, as we all know. And then he left Cleveland. They didn't. He wasn't successful in Cleveland as an administrator. He was not, and then he, he hasn't coached since. So, uh, but he just told you that he was thinking of. Uh, walking to the Jets, which surprised me. I knew about the Steinberg time. I didn't know about the second time. So we learned something. All right, Andy Pettit's coming up. Ron Darling coming up. So both them coming up in a little while. So we'll do some baseball with them back after this.